are in the, the midst of our study of Matthew, and before we, we get into a, the a study of Matthew, I wanted to, uh, there is a slide at the very, very beginning of the service um, alerting you to this fact, but um, most of you don't come at the very beginning of the service. And, uh, and we've been trying to start earlier, like somebody called us and asked us about the 940 service, and we knew at that point that we had a problem. <laughs> We're like, oh, man, it's actually 930. Just so some of you are like, what? What's wrong with the 940 service? So uh, there is this, like, safety. can you put it up? Um, the Daryl Smith, the Christian rock star. You might have seen it in the Weekender. It says, the Christian rock star. Daryl Smith and Chapter 3 uh, at, the, uh, at the rodeo. They have been there. It's their third year in a row. Um, they will have performances at 6 o'clock, obviously, and then at 10.30 after the show. Because, no, they are not the headlining band that night. There's another Christian band by the name of, oh, I don't know, something like Third Day or something. You might have heard of them. Um, small band. Uh, and uh, so they'll be playing in the rodeo, in the arena itself. But opening for Third Day and closing for Third Day is Daryl Smith and Chapter 3 on the wait for it. On the Bud Light stage. That's right. It always it always makes me laugh that uh, Daryl and their and you know the ministry they're singing songs about Jesus and right behind them is this huge inflatable Bud Light bottle. It's great. Um, so it's right outside the arena. Um, if you're looking for where they are, they're at the Bud Light stage, and uh, we encourage you to go see them. It's very fun. Um, this is their third year, which I think is kind of in honor that they keep asking Daryl to come back on um, the Christian night um, to open for people like Third Day, even though Third Day doesn't actually probably know that Daryl's opening for them. But um, that's all right. (laughs) When they read The Weekender in this week's paper, they'll know it's the Christian rock star, Daryl Smith. Um, So there you go. I just want to encourage you to to go out there. And you don't have to have tickets to the rodeo itself to see them um, because you don't have to go inside the arena. You can just get onto the rodeo grounds. And, uh, and get to go support Daryl and the Chapter 3 guys um, and girl, Stacy, which will be very fun. So there you go. On to today in Matthew. Now, we have been uh, working our way through Matthew very at the speed of smell or something. I don't know, something slow. I don't know if smell slow, but um, at the speed of sap. And we're going to continue to do that until we get to a section where I feel like I just don't want to you know, spend time there. Um, and then God will tell me otherwise. So we are in Matthew 4. Uh, we're at the, the temptations. Now, all week I've been doing stuff like, my girl, the temptations, nobody? All right. Um, all week long, I've just, that's been in my head, just doing stuff like that and been wanting to do, you know, little moves or something, but I can't dance. And, um, and then that or then, tempted by the fruit, that song would pop into my head all week long. So it's been a kind of a crazy week for me. And I think it's so brilliant that this week has been so crazy since we're talking about the temptations of Jesus that therein lies my great temptation, which is to just wander aimlessly in my mind until finally God goes, remember where we are. Oh, yes. <laughs> Sorry, God. Forgot about that. Um, if you've heard any of my sermons, you know I do that during sermons all the time. So what we've been doing is we've been, Matthew's been setting up the ministry of Jesus, and really he hasn't gotten to it yet. We're at Matthew chapter 4. And, and honestly, Matthew has not started on the ministry of Jesus. He's, he's gone through the, the lineage of Jesus, which is very important to the Jews, very important to set up the, the lineage of King David on up for the Jews to know that he is the Messiah. He's gone through the birth narrative, um, the exodus, the return, the wise guys, um, wise men, 
um, he's gone through this, the various aspects of Jesus's life, setting him up as kind of this counter Moses, kind of like, remember Moses, who's so important in your life. Okay, here's what you're looking for in this Messiah is a Moses-esque person, but more. And, and this is what we have. A few weeks ago, I said, it's like Moses on steroids. And I walked into uh, David Manitsky's, the senior pastor's office the other day, and he goes, Moses on steroids, really? And I went, does it give you a picture? He's like, yes. Ha Just because you can't say that in the sanctuary, David, doesn't mean I can't in here. Um, so we are... Matthew 4, and, and we've just gone through the baptism of Jesus. John the Baptist sets up um, the anointing of Jesus to begin his ministry, right? He, he baptizes him, and then as Jesus comes out of the water, the, the Spirit descends on him like a dove, anointing him. God's voice comes from on high and says, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. And then great things begin to happen from there. He starts preaching, and he starts baptizing, and he starts... No, that's actually not what happens. Matthew chapter 4, this is what happens immediately after God says, This is my beloved son, and I am fully pleased with him. Verse 1. Then Jesus was led out into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit. Mark says, immediately, in Mark's interpretation of this, he says, Immediately Jesus was taken into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights, he ate nothing and became very hungry. Then the devil came and said to him, if you are the son of God, change these stones into loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, no, the scriptures say people need more than bread for their life. They must feed on every word of God. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem to the highest point of the temple and said, if you are the son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say he orders his angels to protect you and they will hold you with their hands to keep you from striking your foot on a stone. Jesus responded, the scriptures also say, do not test the Lord your God. Next, the devil took him to to a peak on a very high mountain and showed him the nations of the world in all their glory. I will give it all to you, he said, if you will only kneel down and worship me. Get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him, for the scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil went away and angels came and cared for Jesus. So right after the, like the anointing of Jesus for his ministry, he's taken away to the desert. He's taken away to the desert for 40 days and for 40 nights. It says he's out there and he's fasting. Here's the thing is a a lot of times when something momentous like that happens, I mean, last week we, you know, I had the, here's Jesus thing. And like, here comes Jesus and his ministry and, and he's ready to go. But then he's, but then God takes him away. God takes him into this wilderness, and the wilderness is this area that's just horrendous. It's the desert. It's hot. You just look across it, and it's just you see the waves of heat that are resonating from the stones, and, and it, there's just nothing there. No people, no vegetation, no animals. It's just completely a barren wilderness. And he goes out there for 40 days. Really what Matthew is doing here is reminding people of what Moses did. Moses went up to Mount Sinai to be with God for 40 days. For 40 days. And in that time that he is communing with God, God is giving him the instructions for the community of Israel. And he comes down after 40 days and he has the Ten Commandments. 
Maybe it's a hearkening back to the 40 years that Israel spent in the wilderness, wandering around, trying to get it right. Maybe it's about Elijah, who fasted for 40 days as well. There's a lot of things that Matthew is kind of playing around with here, but really what it says to me is that if you are doing something momentous, you need to get alone with God. Like if if you're going to embark on a journey, and granted none of you are saving the world because it's been done, but if you're going to embark on some monumental journey that God has called you to, you need to separate yourself and spend time with God before you begin that project, before you begin that ministry. Paul does it as well. If you remember when Paul has his um, come to Jesus moment, he goes away for a while and prepares and then he comes back. It's this building up. It's this allowing yourself to be with God and nothing else. I mean, how often do we do that just on a daily basis? Spend, I don't know, 40 minutes with God and nothing else. That is one of the hardest things for me to do. I would like to blame my two young children, but really, it's because I'm, I'm, it takes me so long to wind my mind down that I generally don't even try. I'll spend 30 minutes, and it's a 30 minutes where God's getting 70%, and that's probably being generous. I sit down, and I go through my devotionals and my quiet times, and I say my prayers and things like that. But all the time, I have these other wheels turning in my mind, thinking about what I'm supposed to do during the day, thinking about all these other things. And when are those moments when I truly separate myself off to listen for God's words? That I don't go into God and say, okay, God, here's my checklist of things that we need to do today. Here's my wants today. I just go and I sit and be and let God be with me. So Jesus is taken into the wilderness and he's fasting and he's spending time with God and he's preparing for this incredible ministry that is about to occur. And at the end of it, you see um, where where Satan comes in. It says, uh, at the end of the 40 days, he became very hungry. Wow. For 40 days and 40 nights, he ate nothing and became very hungry. Really? (laughs) That's kind of, you know, really? At, At the end of 40 days, he finally was hungry. Wow. He must be God or something. And then the devil comes to him at this point of utter weakness, this point of utter weakness, and begins the temptations. Now, let me say something about that word temptation, because it's not necessarily what we have changed it into. The Greek word there is uh, perazine, and perazine means to test. It's a testing. In Genesis 22, uh, verse 1, the same word is used with Abraham. And so it came to pass that God Perizamos Abraham. It doesn't mean that God was tempting Abraham. God was testing Abraham with his son Isaac. So this word tempting has this negative connotation that we, that we feel like uh, these temptations are, are something that lead us to these negative consequences. When in truth, the word that Matthew is using here and, and what God is trying to point out to us is there are times and moments in our life that we are tested There's a difference there, that we are tested by God or by Satan. This testing of God helps to strengthen our faith and helps to build us into stronger people. 
God uses it to strengthen us. The evil one would use it to undermine our faith. And so don't see it as necessarily Jesus being tempted. Maybe see it as Jesus being tested. His faith is being tested in the wilderness at a point of weakness. His human body had to have been tired. His human body had to have just been completely worn out. After 40 days by yourself, I don't care who you are, you're going to start getting a little loopy if you hadn't had anything to eat. You're in the desert, you're hot, you've been by yourself for 40 days, 40 nights, you start getting hungry, and you start getting a little crazy. The other thing that you need to know is that these probably weren't like a physical, like when he takes them to the temple, it probably wasn't like, he's gone from the desert, he's up on the temple. Or he's gone from the desert, he's up on some mountain where you can see the entire world from this one mountain. It more than likely was an inner process of testing. That's not to say that it wasn't real. It's just to say that it was an inner testing because that's what we go through, right? I've been tested in many ways and in various things, but I've never been transported to another place in time for that testing. I might in my mind go there. But my physical reality is still the same. So it's kind of an inward testing. And, and it was a testing of specifically what uh, W. Sandy, a theologian, says, Jesus' supernatural powers. So those things that he was great and gifted at, this is where the tests are going to align themselves. And if you think about it in your own life, those places where you're tempted or tested are usually along the lines of the things that you're good at are usually along the lines of the, of the gifts that God has given you. Those are sometimes the inroads of where these testings and temptations come. It's these moments of, like, I, I'm very good with words and speaking. You may not think so right now this morning, but usually I'm pretty good with speaking and words. And, and so the testing and temptation for me a lot of times is to use those words in a way that's contrary to God. And I've done it many times in my life. Many times in my life, um, it's the Irish in me, I claim, uh, those one-liners, sarcastic um, put-downs come to me very quickly in a situation. And usually, used to, my go-to position was to get the zinger on somebody at the expense of them for the building up of myself. And that's kind of where I'm tempted and tested a lot of times is to, is to find the weakness in someone and exploit it for my own benefit. And it's usually for the benefit of laughter. And, and so those, times are, those are times when I am tempted or tested. But let's get to Jesus. Oh, the other thing is, think about it. Matthew is writing his experience with Christ. Matthew in his gospel story is writing these things that he has heard, that he has recorded, that he has seen. In this account, he had to have been told the experience by Jesus. When, when I read this from this guy who wrote this, I, I, I kind of breezed by it, and I went back to it. I was like, wow. I mean, Jesus was truly in a small group with these guys and girls, the people who followed him, and specifically his disciples and, and maybe even the three, even more so. But he's in this group, and he has this experience, and so what does he do? He shares it with them. He said, guys, I just went through this unbelievable experience. And and maybe it wasn't the next day, obviously, because Matthew hadn't been called then. But later on, he sits down and he tells them, shares one of the darkest, hardest times of his life for our benefit. What a personal 
just unveiling moment this is of Christ. So the first temptation is about the food, changing the stones into loaves of bread. At this time, you know, Jesus would be hungry, obviously. It says he was very hungry. After 40 days of fasting, you can only imagine how hungry he is. And and he goes through this time of uh, Satan comes out and says, you're God. You could do this. You have the power to change these stones into loaves of bread. And there's kind of a double temptation going on here. The first one is to use his gifts, his powers for his own selfish gain. It's to take the gifts that God has given him, these these unbelievable powers, and, and to use it only for himself. Because that would have just been for himself at that moment. The second one is kind of on a deeper note. It's, if I give them bread when they're hungry, if I just out of nothing materialize this bread and give it to them when they're hungry, I'm, I'm treating the symptom and not the disease. If I, if I get their attention by giving them something they want, then do they really want a relationship with me? I mean, Satan's playing on this, uh, on this side of Jesus's like, knowing that he's going to save the world. So how are you going to save the world? Can you do it by doing things for these people? Will they respect you if you give them what they want? And what Jesus is saying here is he's like, oh, wait a minute. If I, if I just give them some bread, but I don't get to where the hunger truly is, they're just going to be hungry again. I mean, the whole materialistic pursuit of things ultimately leaves you hollow and leaves that hunger still there. It may satisfy it for a moment, but it won't forever. And what Christ is saying here was, man is not lived by bread alone, but on every word of God, your hunger can never be satisfied until you truly connect with God. God is the one who will satisfy your hunger. And yeah, it's a hearkening back to the days of Israel receiving manna from God as they're in the wilderness. All of Jesus' answers to Satan, by the way, are from Deuteronomy. It's from the book of... Uh, once they're out of the wilderness and Moses gives them basically Deuteronomy is like the second law. He's like summing up essentially. I know it's a real large summation of God's laws there in Deuteronomy, but he's, he's basically saying, okay, you're, you've come through the wilderness. You're about to cross the Jordan into the promised land. I'm not going with you. So let me remind you of what God has done for you and what you are to do for God. And so Jesus is recalling these things of as he has just come from the river, he's in the promised land, he's in this time of temptation in the wilderness. Satan tests him and he comes back with the words of Moses. Is that Matthew or is that Jesus? I think Jesus was getting to the fact of, I, I can't give you everything you need because if I do, you'll never need me. That's the first temptation. The second temptation on the temple. Now, the, the temple is uh, an interesting thing. If you put Jesus on the top of the temple and he's standing there and the temple mounts on one side, there's like this 450 foot drop down into the Valley of Kedron. Or maybe it was like right in the middle where the, the uh, priest would get up and blow the trumpet, the first sign of dawn. You know, maybe he would just fall into the court. Um, you know, Malachi 3.1 says the Lord will suddenly appear in his temple. Um, I thought that was kind of funny. Like, ah, here I am. 
Um, and so Satan is saying, you know, nothing's going to harm you. He's misusing one of the Psalms, but he's saying, you know, nothing's going to happen to you. So why don't you just go ahead and jump off there? And then all these people will see how amazing and miraculous God is. It's the sensationalism. He's doing these big and mighty acts to get people's attention. And the problem with that is if he does it, he'll have to continue to do it. Faith that requires these signs and miracles is no faith at all. And Jesus sees this and knows this. And so he counters once again with a verse from Deuteronomy. And in the third temptation, the temptation of giving the whole world to Jesus. You know, in the back of Jesus's mind, he must have been thinking, uh, I'm going to win this battle in the end already. But Satan was giving him an easier way. You don't have to go through the suffering and pain that you're going to have to go through if you just, just for a moment, kneel before me. Just for a, I mean, nobody's looking. No one's up here. It's just you and me. Just for a moment, kneel, and I'll take care of it. It's that temptation to bow to the pressures of the world. I mean, how often are we all tested in that way? Just for a moment, bow to the way of the world. No one's really paying attention. No one can see what's going on right now. Just for a moment, bow to this temptation, this pressure of the world, and and it'll be easier. And Jesus is like, no, that's not the way of God. When I read about these temptations, when I walk through this, this section of scripture, what it does for me is it puts a little reality spin on Jesus. It brings him to a point that I can be with him. And I think this is a good reason why he did this is that he went to this wilderness to prepare. And then these temptations that were allowed by the devil to occur or that happened because of the devil, I think what it does is it brings him into a point that I can understand like walking on water. I don't get that one. I can't, uh, what he said, you know, all, some of the things that Jesus does, I just can't wrap my mind around. However, being tempted to choose the way of the world rather than to choose the way of God. I, I understand that one being tempted to use my gifts and the things that God has given me to glorify him for my own purposes and my own gains. I understand that one as well. I think what Jesus does here is he, he aligns himself with us. He didn't have to do this. He allowed himself to go through this so that we could see he was truly one of us. And yet he held firm to God's word. He held firm to the path that he was on. These tests, these temptations didn't distract him from the road that God had prepared for him. It strengthened his faith. So that's what we are to do. In those moments of testing and temptation in our life, they can be moments that will weaken our faith and distract us from the road that God has prepared, or they can be moments that strengthen us and prepare us for the ministry that God has called each one of us to. I'm tempted to sing that song again. Tempted by the fruit of another. What is it that tempts you? 
What is it that, that tests you? Those things in your life and you are thinking of them right now. What are those things where you know you're a little shaky? Are you going to use them to strengthen your faith or not? Let us pray. Gracious and Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you that you have given us the ability to stand firm in your word. Because of your words and because of your wisdom that you have shared with us, God, we have the strength to face any temptation, to take any test and pass. God, I ask that you would just enable all of us to hold firm to those those words of Jesus that as we just connect with you on a daily basis and prepare ourselves for life in this world, that we would find our strength and our value in you. God, I thank you and I praise you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Next week, we continue on and the beginning of the ministry of Jesus. See you next week.